it's very difficult to focus on your tinnitus and let it be as is. That's not calm at all. That's very active and very difficult and also probably leads to increased arousal a little bit. Wow, it's really powerful. Hello and welcome everyone to today's uh, podcast episode on the Outering Tinnitus podcast. Thanks for tuning in everyone to what is in my opinion one of the most emotional and interesting and just overall one of the best Tinnitus podcast episodes I've made so far. You heard in the intro it got quite emotional later on in the podcast. Um, so this episode I recorded together with Rilana Chima. She's also one of the most renowned scientists and specialists on tinnitus in Europe. Um, and today you will learn a bit more on her approach to a cure to tinnitus. Um, it's very interesting so I recommend you listen to the full episode although it's a bit longer. Two more small things before we dive into the episode. The first one is if you do like and enjoy this Tinnitus podcast that I bring to you regularly, then uh, please consider subscribing, um, give us a five-star review and share it with the people who might meet it most, maybe the relatives that you want to tell how you feel and how your Tinnitus journey is looking like, but also maybe people in your community who might be dealing with Tinnitus as well so they can uh, shift from bothersome to non-bothersome Tinnitus as well. Um, the other thing that I want to mention is my free guide to tinnitus. So if you want to uh, get my free guide to tinnitus, go to www.tinnitus-guide.com. But let's do the intro and get right into the episode with Rilana Chima. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Outering Tinnitus podcast. This is Frida and I'm your host. This podcast is all about the tinnitus science and what you can do to live a better life despite the ringing. This episode is brought to you by MyTinnitus.club. MyTinnitus.club is your special online habituation community, a community of many, many people who together learn to live their absolute best life despite tinnitus. You learn science-based tools and tips and tricks and strategies on how to live tinnitus behind, uh, live your best life, really reclaim everything that's most important to you. And you do that in a community of amazing people with the help of my coaching programs that has helped over hundreds of people all over the world. So go to www.mytinnitus.club to claim your 14 days free trial. Join one of the frequent events that we have every single week and see how my science-based coaching program will help you to live your best life despite tinnitus. I'd like to uh, welcome uh, Rilana Chima to the podcast today. I'm super, super happy and glad that she's here. Um, and uh, to give us the opportunity to talk about uh, her research, maybe also about her uh, relationship uh, with tinnitus and um, the, the fields of research that uh, she's been focusing on. Um, and I think it's going to be um, uh, really important and a, and a very good insight for the people who listen to this podcast. Um, and we're going to do some myth busting around tinnitus today as well. Um, yeah, maybe you want to say one or two words about yourself and about uh, your research and yeah, introduce yourself a bit. Thank you for being okay. here. Hello, everyone. Thank you for inviting me, Frieda. I'm very happy to talk to you. Um, it's a very cozy atmosphere. It's also very nice. I work as a, a clinical psychologist uh, for, since, let's see, in the, clinic, in the tinnitus field since 2005. So wow. that's a long time already. Yeah. Um, but that is the smallest part of my job, actually. Uh, since then, I have done a lot of studies and I've uh, um, received my PhD and I now work in research mainly. That means that I'm, uh, I have a position at the University of Leuven as well for my research and study endeavors and at uh, Maastricht University in the Netherlands. So I have uh, three jobs in two different countries. Wow. Very, yeah. <laughs> And the, the good news is, uh, even though that, that seems very fragmented, the good news is all of the, the three jobs are, are only and solely focused on tinnitus, tinnitus research and tinnitus treatment. So I feel lucky that I can devote uh, full time to, uh, to the topic. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And I, I, I always say a big thanks to all the people who really dedicate um, 
their professional life. And with three jobs, I'm 100% sure you're also uh, devoting a lot of your personal life to this in order to get all this uh, time managed and everything done. And uh, from everyone who's also listening to this podcast, I think we, we always want to give a, a big thank you to the people who really devote their life and, and research to um, uh, looking into tinnitus. And, and I see so much is happening there and, and people actually don't see it. You know, that's, that's a bit mm. of the unfortunate part. So um, I'm happy that we can maybe talk about some of these things today in the podcast. Um, and, uh, and I think it will be very beneficial because then people see that actually there's a lot of stuff being done and people like you really drive this forward. And there is a big scientific community, especially across Europe, who's really focusing on reviewing effective methods and, and what can really help. And yeah, so thank you very much for that. That's really amazing. Thanks. It's uh, very good to uh, to have this opportunity also. Of course, we devote uh, a lot of time, but it also provides a lot of opportunity. And uh, I think um, in research, you have to be a little bit passionate, if not even a little bit crazy, <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 to um, do the work. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, it's, very, uh, it's a very good feeling if you can... Uh, if you can do something positive. No how, are you, how are you doing, by the way, in these? Um... <laughs> I'm very good. It's, it's a bit, it, it feels to me that people, yeah, suffer a bit more, right? Because usually, you know, when they have their everyday life and they're busy and mm. everything, and then sometimes, you know, just in the evening, you hear the tinnitus a teeny tiny bit, but it's not really bothering you for many people. Mm. Um, mm. And, and even those people, they have time to think about things now, and then suddenly they're cal calming down, and then they realize, oh, there's, there's tinnitus. I, I actually do have tinnitus. Um, yeah, I agreed. Yes. Also, I think um, what might have a, a kind of an influence as well is, of course, the general uncertainty and unpredictability yeah. of things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And the increase of uncertainty and unpredictability, of course, yeah. um, makes these type of um, of symptoms, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. more. Mm, uneasy or more yeah. intrusive huh yeah. yeah yeah i think also uh, in one of my meetings i think uh, one of my colleagues uh, mentioned you as well maybe winnie i think yeah. winnie maybe yeah, winfrey yeah yeah, yeah 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 winnie and me have actively been in touch and um i have also had uh, silvano on um uh, this podcast and uh, deborah hall was also on here already so i'm sort of like uh, building an amazing, amazing podcast for the people. And I'm super excited about that to really have the, the top scientists and the people who know most about and to really, you know, because one of the biggest goals for me is to, to clear up myth, to like really do yeah. myth busting around tinnitus to, so people don't run to Amazon and buy, for example, I read a study um, uh, on your um, academic CV about ginkgo biloba. Mm. And I've been taking ginkgo biloba myself, you know, and like all these kind of, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. This happens a lot with these yeah. types of symptoms, of course, yeah. uh, that it has a sort of a sensibility like that. Uh, people often are very frustrated yeah. and have been in the healthcare chain for a long time. Yeah. And uh, others will jump on these opportunities to promise, you know, cure or, or, or uh, betterment. Um, yeah, there's a lot to gain possibly, and uh, it's an exploitation of of extreme helplessness, actually. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Great. And um, would you uh, want to talk a bit about some of the latest uh, interesting studies, or is there something that you that comes to your mind when I'm uh, asking about a, a particularly interesting study or? Yeah, uh, well, there's obviously a few things we are uh, focusing on at the moment. So very exciting, of course, since you already mentioned that is our, our European project, yeah. Yeah, which we can work together and uh, the sum of all our uh, expertise and specialties yeah. Yeah. will deliver something which is greater yeah. than when we all work uh, separately. So that, sure. is, uh, that is very exciting. The new uh, uh, UNITY project, which just started in January, yeah. um, has taken, has kicked off in Athens, which is also very exciting to see all your colleagues and uh, in, in January, that was still possible. Yeah. And to start yeah. off this uh, very ambitious, but um, very cool tinnitus research project. Uh, um, and uh, next to that also, I'm a health psychologist, uh, meaning that uh, my research groups uh, are mainly focused on health 
and experimental psychology. And I'm very excited to, um, to, um, um, to be able to uh, develop and, uh, and uh, yeah, to develop new psychological ways of looking at tinnitus. And uh, moreover, more importantly, to develop new treatment options uh, within the psychological realm for wow. tinnitus uh, suffering. So, um, and as you say, uh, as you said already in our uh, uh, small talk in the beginning of this uh, interview, um, you see a lot of people, um, whether patients, sufferers, or professionals, uh, focusing on cure mainly. Mm, mm, mm. And I think, well, that's a good thing, of course. And I'm also focusing on cure, sure. but maybe from a slightly different direction. So mm. um, I believe that the uh, solution for tinnitus suffering might not lie in a single pill or a single yeah. surgical procedure, yeah. but yeah. might lie in something else. And um, I am... Uh, a neuropsychologist or maybe a brain psychologist you might say and i'm very interested in the particular mechanisms of human uh, learning uh, processes ah. yeah so i'm a behavioral uh, researcher so i'm looking at okay how do humans perceive signals or mm. stimuli huh? mm. like mm. sound mm. and how is it that the one can hear something uh, and is not bothered by it at all and yeah. it's, it's fairly neutral and the other with the exact same uh, stimulus is very bothered by it's it it's crazy so it's crazy and that is yeah. my main um uh how do you say my main curiosity yeah. Yeah. in my yeah. research like how is it possible that we have this all these people processing this signal so differently yeah and if that is possible then possibly we can modulate these mechanisms yeah. and maybe cure in that yeah. way or yeah. ameliorate yeah. the the experience of the people. Yeah. So it's all about how do you experience this continuous noxious sound, right? Yeah. How, what is happening uh, maybe within your brain, yeah. which, uh, which m makes sure that the one person is not bothered at all and the other is very much bothered and actually feels ill on a daily basis because of it. So that That's is my so main, yeah. the main mystery I uh, endeavor to uh, help to solve. <laughs> That's it's, it's actually literally, I feel it. It's, maybe it might be a little cold in my room, but I really, I do get goosebumps <laughs> because this, this is this thing. This is also for me, the most crazy thing ever about sentences. Like, how can that one person present a subjective tinnitus on a scale from one to 10 with a nine and just like mm -hmm. sleep normally, but maybe have problems when reading or something like that. And the other person with a subjective tinnitus of like three or four doesn't get to sleep in month because at night they can't stop focusing on this tinnitus problem. And it's, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's literally it's a... <laughs> something, one of the most interesting phenomena that I've ever come across from. And you know, people, you know, I've, I've often have this negotiation stage when, they, when, the, when the patients come to me, but how loud is your tinnitus? And in combination, how well do you still hear? Maybe yours is worse than mine. Maybe mine is worse than yours. Maybe yeah. it's worse to have it in both ears and not only in one. And I, I always say, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, it, if, if mine it is louder than yours. Like, if your life is is influenced by it, then there's something wrong with, with your way, uh, with the tinnitus in, in, in your life. And, yes. and, and that doesn't matter how loud it is or how, how progressive your hearing loss is. It's a simply, simply it matters how much you're bothered by it. Uh, that is uh, very true indeed. And that's also what I experience uh, in my work as well, that you see that it's uh, almost irrelevant what people hear or how loud it is. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's relevant. Yeah. On the other hand, it doesn't predict anything because yeah. there's people who can hear, uh, hear a passing train yeah. and are not bothered by it at all. And, there, and then there's people who come to the clinic who hear uh, water running, mm. right? Mm. 
and who are very much bothered by it on almost all aspects of their daily living. So mm, 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 uh, on the one hand, of course, the sound is relevant and as well, the hearing loss is relevant. However, mm. what happens after, right? The process of how does the brain interpret this signal mm. um, predicts whether or not people are actually impeded by their tinnitus. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that is the very interesting issue. And if that is the case, that the tinnitus is mainly uh, defined by the reaction of the person on it, then it's not the sound we sh should look at, yeah. but we should look at the, the reaction. reactionary processes yeah. and whether we can tone those down. Yeah. If we can regulate those down, yeah. then the tinnitus can be neutral yeah. and will not bother uh, a person, yeah. in which uh, you could say even, if that is the case, if you get to that point, the person is cured yeah. of complaints. Right. So there's one thing. On the one hand, we can talk about tinnitus as the acoustic, uh, almost. It's not acoustic, but as the audiological symptom mm. on the perceptional level. What does it sound like? In which ear? Or uh, on what side of the head is it? Is it perceivable? And on the other hand, we can look at okay, irrespect, irrespective of the acoustic characteristics, how does it bother you? To what degree? does the it, the the uh, the hearing of it impact your daily life uh, domains mm -hmm. and there you can see that uh, you come quickly to the emotional response on the sound and we know that if you are very um, worried about something this is very um this will uh, confuse you a lot uh, this yeah. will interfere with your daily task if i'm worried yeah about anything, by the way, yeah. 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 or anxious or a little yeah. bit stressed. This is, yeah. takes a lot of resources, yeah. so to say. Yeah. These resources are not left to do your tasks. Yeah. And then you notice, oh, um, I cannot I my live tasks. my life. Yeah. I cannot live my life the way yeah. I want to or the way I used to yeah. or the way other people do. And then that is where we are uh, feeling impaired, yeah. right? And that is also usually where people think, okay, this tinnitus, is impacting me and I, yeah. I am impaired yeah. and I feel, I feel um, sort of not in control of what I can and cannot do. Yeah. And then they seek help. Yeah. So this feelings of, I, it seems uncontrollable. It seems very unpredictable as well. Mm. And it seems uh, that all of the life domains are influenced. And then you are in impairment. You are actually in your uh, tinnitus suffering uh, stage where we see that people often will need treatment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wonder whether like on a psychological perspective, so when you, if you would look into a psychoanalytical thing that maybe then it's also what they say a lot, I mean, stress and then something happens or there's an emotional process involved. Um, then that is probably also playing a major role, right? Like what kind of like upbringing did that person have? What is the social yeah. relationship? Probably. With people? And like all probably. these kind of things. Probably, yeah. but that is not my main, okay. uh, my personal main yeah. uh, focus yeah. because irrespective of the person even, there is uh, something about the tinnitus suffering. Yeah. If you look at it, yeah. that is... Um, also not very uh, so very uh, strongly associated with personality for example or previous history or medical history we see that um, when tinnitus uh, becomes bothersome that these people all share uh, the fact that um, tinnitus or the coincidence of tinnitus uh, and the perception of it of the coinciding mm -hmm. uh, usually uh, happens when, and the person felt immediately um, uncomfortable. Mm. So I'm saying this very uh, vaguely. So mm. um, we see that, for example, mm. personality traits does not predict 
who is he's, who will uh, hear a tinnitus, nor does it predict okay. uh, how severe the tinnitus will be. Okay. So it's not a personality issue. Okay. And, and we see also, of course, how a person reacts to something has yeah. an influence, but that has yeah. an influence on anything yeah. in our lives. Yeah. With the tinnitus, it's very particular. You see all these uh, sort of healthy, psychological, uh, psychologically healthy people. Yeah. Um, getting if they exist, uh, <laughs> yeah. So let me do like this. Um, so psychologically, uh, in these well-functioning people, yeah. Yeah. who yeah. then uh, come uh, across uh, the tinnitus perception and then develop psychological problems yeah. because of the tinnitus. Yeah. Also, the other way around. So uh, I'm not saying that a pre-existing depression or anxiety disorder. Uh, will not influence the tinnitus yeah. uh, perception. Yeah. Of course it will. But yeah. if you look at the at the greater part of people who are suffering, you see that yeah. these are people who function uh, who functioned previously relatively well, but yeah. now are unable to cope. So yeah. it's something about this um, stimulus, this sound, yeah. that makes that makes uh, the person react in an overly, uh, sorry, in a, not overly per se, but in a very big psychological way. I, and that is a little bit uh, my, um, my focus as well. So why yeah. is it that tinnitus can evoke such a big reaction? Yeah. While if you ask the person, they already are rationally aware that the tinnitus is not dangerous, nor that it is harmful, nor that it yeah. will lead to deafness. Yeah. However, emotionally, you see yeah. that there is an instant reaction of, yeah. well, I usually call it, if I talk to patients, say, it seems that your brain has decided that the tinnitus is harmful. Yeah. And then you are in a danger zone and you're yeah. in a danger network will be yeah. activated. Yeah. And that is all related to actually threat value. I believe that in people who are suffering, tinnitus has received uh, by, I don't know why exactly, a, a threat value, which is very uneasily uh, taken away. Hmm. Because of course, if I'm threatened by something, it's very hard to not- Irrational. Um, yeah. it, it's very hard to not pay attention to yeah. it, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. everything happening will be, um, perceived in light of the tinnitus afterwards because you are in a threatening situation so yeah. that is a little bit in very um, like normal words where my research and my treatment endeavors are all uh, uh, focused on so if that is the case then in some uh, i sometimes um, compare it to for example phobia if i if i talk to yeah. someone who doesn't have tinnitus or yeah. has no experience with that yeah. Yeah, I, was I say, that. yeah, yeah. If you look at people who are um, mortally afraid of spiders, Spide they yeah. also know. I was thinking about that, that in this spider, second. Yeah. The spider will not eat Crazy. them. You know, they yeah, know yeah. I'm not dying because yeah. of the spider. However, yeah. they cannot help when they enter a room to scan yeah. the, the walls and to feel very worried about the possible presence of a spider. Yeah. They know that, that rationally, that there's no reason to have that. However, they yeah. cannot stop the emotional cycle. So in tin if you look at tinnitus, it might be that this sound has become this uh, sort of spider type phenomenon for mm. the brain. Mm, mm, mm. And people are uh, in that cycle uh, become uh, unable to stop this uh, emotional reactivity. 100%, and yeah. that, is, uh, that is where I, with my... Uh, treatment developments focus on. So how can we stop this cycle of emotional reactivity, which is so distracting for a person on, the daily, uh, on a daily basis? Uh, I can imagine it's, it's, it's so distracting that you indeed cannot focus on anything else yeah. but the sound, yeah. which is also continuously present and continuously yeah. probably a little bit threatening or irritating constantly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back in the episode in just a short moment. I just wanted to share with you something that Dawn, uh, one of our Tinnitus Club members, talked about recently. She shares uh, her insights into tinnitus habituation and what the community has been doing for her. And of course, we'd be super honored to welcome you into our community as well. But let's give uh, Dawn the word. I think um, 
I've had it for about the same as you, 15, 16 years, and I have habituated to it three times in the past. Uh, but this last time, um, I was just floored with it. I just didn't know how to deal with it. And uh, then I found this place, and it's taught me n no end. Um, how I was dealing with it was wrong. You know, it's taught me not to react to it. Um and like you said, it's nice knowing because I think it's a very isolated disease. Um, because you're the only one that can hear it, your family can't. So you're you you're only you're the only one that knows what you're going through. Um, uh, but when you come to somewhere like this, it just it it's it makes it easier because you know that you're not on your own. And it's just probably been the best thing. I've been in the best place now in this last two years than I I have been for like I say in the last two years. I'm I'm just it's amazing what it's done for me. So if you're experiencing something that's similar to what Dawn is going through, then you know absolutely where to go and where to look and where to turn to. Um, we'd be super excited to welcome you in our MyTinnitus.club community. So if you head over to www.MyTinnitus.club, you can sign up for your 14 days free trial, um, join one of our members' events, introduce yourself to our other members. We are currently getting a buddy system going so that people who are already way on their path to habituation can support and help other people who are newer in the community so if this is something that you want to uh, get into and you want to live your best life despite tinnitus then sign up for your free trial at www.mytinnitus.club but let's get back into the episode yeah yeah it's it's i i, I it's my, it's my personal story that um after king's day in 2014 i had to go back and write my bachelor papers and three days later after king's day my tinnitus was as loud as it has never been. And it's uh, still uh, like that to this day. And I mm -hmm. had exactly that reaction. I could not, I had tinnitus before, but I, yes. I, was, I, was, I was used to the level that I had. It was fine. I knew that because I had met with my ENT, I knew that I had to basically like take care of my hearing. That's why I was also maybe a bit too focused on hearing sometimes, but I always thought that was a good value, you know, because I only have one ear left and then I always would mm -hmm. wear hearing protection and that particularly night, uh, you know, King's Day in Amsterdam gets crazy. You have too much beer and then, yeah, that uh, happened. And I was unable to, I, I, I managed to finish my bachelor thesis. Um, I got quite a good grade even. So I'm very lucky and happy for that. But I, I was unable to sleep. I was unable to focus on anything else. I would close my ear and listen to the tinnitus. It was still the same sound and all these kind of things. And I, I sort of like, I sort of like, I, I asked my dad, I called my ENT back at home and they all said to me like, you know, my dad is a lung doctor, but he said like, well, maybe you can try some cortisone just after the exposure and everything because you would still do that. I, I, I have heard now that these are things that you maybe don't do anything any, anymore because the, the risks uh, greatly outweigh the benefits of uh, putting mm. a doses that high so it properly reaches the inner ear. Um, but yeah, I, was, I, was, I, I could not tell you why. And same, same reason why people who are afraid of spiders can't tell you why they're afraid of spiders. But I could not break that circle. Um, yes. And that is the issue. You're in this, you're trapped in this yeah. vicious cycle. Yeah. And then um, what we are in our research group uh, are trying to do is to break out. Yeah. And to develop treatments which help people break out of this uh, cycle. Yeah. And that is, uh, fortunately has been quite successful as well so um um yeah i think uh, there's something there <laughs> that's amazing to, uh, to look at the problem yeah yeah i think i, I also like um, at least i mean i i'm not doing it as scientific as you guys are and I'm, I'm i'm happy that there are people out there who have a real scientific background i think i just fell into some uh, useful strategies that i have that i use uh, to coach the people and to to, to help them to break the circle somehow. So one thing that I really like to do is sort of to give them surveys, to continue surveys, to um, measure emotional reaction towards the tinnitus, to sort of give them the feeling of having control at least over... Mm -hmm realizing the thought you know like in meditation when you meditation you have the two levels of the mind the one level is the thinking mind the blah blah mind mm -hmm. and the other level is the higher mind that basically watches the thoughts so mm -hmm. I, I i try to make people watch their emotional reaction and mm -hmm. try to so for them to establish some sort of control you know that they have a mechanism to see like that they're actually doing something and they're actively engaging in a process of 
seeing like, okay, what can help me? What does not help me? And there is actually tools and things that I can use and techniques to, to ameliorate the symptoms to maybe what can I do for better sleep? What can I do if I, if I have to work in silence, but the silence is bothering me? All these kind of things. How can I break the cycle of maybe closing my ear and listening to the tinnitus and seeing whether it's still there in the same intensity? So that's, that's something that I do. and um, Something like that, yeah. Uh, however, um, if you look back at the spider... Right. Yeah. If you take mm. this same uh, comparison, and um, how do you treat a spider phobia? You probably know. You expose the person with a spider, right? Until they yes. are used to the spider. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is our treatment as well, or yeah. uh, it's very simplistic this way. And so, in, in, to avoid a little bit to become uh, too clinical or too scientific that is uh, the main logic behind our treatment um, innovations is that of course we still mainly see across uh, the world actually that the main treatment strategy or management strategy is usually still strangely enough um, try not to listen to it or try to um, direct your attention away from it Mm. Well, that is contradictory to the exposure thinking. There you would say, wait a minute, no, in order to get used to something, Mm. you have to listen to it Mm. um, deliberately Mm. and try to increase your awareness for Mm. short periods of time instead Mm. of Mm. masking it or try to divert your attention away. Let's Mm. try and live through these episodes of intrusive tinnitus in silent mm. rooms together mm. and mm. see whether we can sort of train the brain to reassess the signal. Mm. And if you do this apparently frequently and ob- mm. on, on a standardized way, standardly with patients, mm. with uh, specific exposure exercises, you see that these people improve a lot. Mm. That the uh, sort of tendency to try to avoid or escape the mm. sense of sounds mm. leaves. So if you do not have these avoidance and escape tendencies, you are not yeah. so worried. Right. And if you're not worried, you are right. very much less fearful. Yeah. And if that is the case, you start living your life with yeah. the tinnitus as yeah. if yeah. it is not bothering you, right. Right? right? So what we try to do is to alter the way the brain perceives the tinnitus mm. and all mm. the emotions which mm. often mm. go coincide mm. with with the perception of tinnitus mm. Mm. to do that to to dislodge these these reactions from the sound we need to expose people to their sound mm. as um, when it is uh, on its worst so to say mm. Mm. right because that is what you avoid yeah. um, people with even though they monitor, they monitor their tinnitus levels, like is it loud or not? They test whether other sound uh, masks or not their own tinnitus, and they test whether they are thinking about it. So, and that is kind of an avoidance strategy. Instead of really listening to it for a, a prolonged period of time and try yeah. to, as you say, really register your emotions which happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is uh, the base the basis of our treatment uh, strategy, which wow. has been helpful for many patients. Of course, um, uh, I'm not saying it's the holy grail, right? No, so no. it's not something which is, um, it's still in development. Um, I'm very happy with the beneficial effects we already have and the many patients who are so happy <laughs> that, that they can live their life normally and yeah. comparably with before the tinnitus because that's what they want, right? Yeah. Usually they say, I would like to live my life um, again, as I, I was doing before I had tinnitus. Yeah. And that is something, this is a, a sort of a uh, question I can answer to. I said, okay, that is something I can work on with you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something we can attain. Yeah. So, um, uh, and that is irrespective of whether the sound is there or not and how loud it is on a particular yeah. moment in time or not. Let's yeah. move towards your function. And that is how we practice in our uh, treatments, also with daily life activities, so that they can apply treatment methods in their life immediately. So we have these effects um, on the long term as well. Mm. 
So that is a little bit the treatment uh, development. And it's odd because you have to say to patients, actually, what we are going to do is counterintuitive. Yeah. So what we're going to, going to do yeah. is we're going to expose you to the yeah. worst case scenario, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like a little bit like hesitant, of course, like, I okay, I, yeah. I don't think so. Um, doctor, I don't like this yeah. uh, story yeah. you are telling me. Yeah. But then usually, and that is very cool, tinnitus patients are usually very uh, well equipped to understand these mechanisms because they uh, recognize things happening. So mm. they say, oh, yes, indeed. That is what I have as well. I, yeah. I, that is what I do. And this is yeah. what I experience. And if, I, yeah. if you then explain to them how we can counter the cycle, they become motivated. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's the cool part as well, that you see that um, uh, patients or people seeking help also notice, okay, we have to go through a, a little bit difficult uh, treatment phase. Right. Right. But... Um, I experience these uh, benefits uh, as well. So you need to do the work. That's what I say to patients as well. It's difficult for me as well as the therapist because you need to do things which the patients might uh, feel in the beginning is a bit uncomfortable, right? right. So right. usually as a therapist, you would uh, uh, deploy methods which is soothing to patients. Right. So therapy we have developed is not very soothing in the beginning no, yeah, but yeah. as long as you are honest about this and you say okay we have a difficult training period uh, in front of us which will lead to a difficult few weeks but the effects will be very uh, beneficial uh, yeah. beneficial so that is also something which i'm always um, i always want to even in uh, interviews like these i want to be very honest about these things yeah and also, it's not, um, it's not about treating the patient so that he can feel better. No, I want to treat a patient in, in order for them to actually uh, feel, uh, not only feel better, but function better on the yeah. long term. Yeah. It's not feel better now, yeah. but on the long term yeah. uh, to provide a cure yeah. uh, such that they never need treatment again, of course. That would yeah. be, would be the, 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 utopia the idea actually. yeah 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 i um i uh, last uh, week a very good friend of mine um felix he also studied in Ma at master university and did his master's there as well uh, he sent me a um video by uh, tim ferris a ted talk and uh, tim ferris is like a um a, a personal um and a business guy and he did a ted talk on and he has bipolar depression since he was very young um, and um, he did something uh, just uh, uh, after he nearly committed suicide. He started an exercise that he now does every once in a while. And it's not, it's called uh, fear setting. So mm. it's really interesting if you, if you maybe have 10 minutes at some point in your spare time, it's, it's an amazing exercise. I like to do it as well now. And it's a basically amazing thing to not establish your goals but establish your fears and like yeah sort of like to so see over a long-term perspective over the next three to six months what is my biggest fear what is the mm -hmm. worst kind of thing that could happen and mm -hmm. how can i somehow re remedy this and and what could i maybe do about it and mm -hmm. and once you once you look at this you know goals are always there to to afterwards be like okay well today i did half an hour more procrastination than I did want to. Um, and that was very detrimental. So I don't feel as well tonight because I didn't get as much work done as I would have wanted to. If you turn this around and you set your fears for the next day, is like, what is the worst that could happen next day when you like don't get any work done? So you... Yes. Yeah. So I, I was also thinking about that, like sort of in a way that you go through with the genitals and you actively sort of engage in in yeah. getting used to it in a, in a therapeutic environment where people still feel yeah. comfortable because they have trained people like you around them who really know yes. what they're doing. Um, but also to sort of like, to, to, to evaluate Trigger. sort of like, what is the worst case yeah. scenario that can actually happen? Yeah. Like the symptom is not dangerous. I can't die here. Um, it's yes. the same with the person like the spiders in Europe. If you have a spider in your room, like the spider cannot kill you. There's nothing that can yeah. happen to you. 
Um, yes, and uh, yeah, that is exactly right. Uh, you summarized that very well, actually. And the worst case scenario is something we start with in therapy as well. We call, yeah. call this a fear hierarchy. Yeah. That's what we do in the beginning. We establish a fear hierarchy. We say, what is the absolute worst scenario? Tinnitus related, of course, which yeah. could happen to you today. Yeah. And then if we have, and that is sometimes very difficult because sometimes mm -hmm. it's very vague. People are like, well, it's not very specific. It's something yeah. that we try and work through. And then yeah. usually we get to a very feared situation. Mm -hmm. And then actually the strange thing is they'll say, okay, so that is the worst that can happen to you. And the patient says, yes, the absolute worst is if that happens. And then I ask, what then? What happens? Yeah. Says, yeah. Yeah, well, then I don't know exactly, but it's very bad. I say, <laughs> you know what? Let's test this. Yeah. And then. I'm going to trigger this very worst case scenario. Right. And that is the test. And that is actually the therapy. Nice. So that is what we could. Let's see if this is true, what you're thinking. What you yeah. hope to achieve is that the expectancies, because it's a threat expectancy, we yeah. all, uh, not only tinnitus patients, we all have some kind of worst case scenarios and threat expectancies about our future, about our functioning, about mm. our uh, daily selves, which we uh, usually uh, often base a lot of our behavior on. So in order to get uh, a little bit uh, known with these behaviors, you have to look into what is the worst case scenario mm. for you mm. and how can we see whether what you think is also true. Mm. That, uh, that is uh, a test situation and you have to go through this worst case scenarios. And that is exposure. Like with a spider phobic person, mm. that is okay. The worst, what could happen is that there would be this, this humongous spider on my hand yeah. and, I, and hairy and stuff. And I, I, I wasn't able to do anything about it. Yeah. So, okay, let's test this then. That is what the thing, yeah. Let's see if that is the case. So that is a little bit the technique. It sounds very simple. It is, of course, not. Yeah. It is not so easy yeah. Yeah. to start thinking about these things or, yeah. or discussing these with somebody or actually trigger these uh, very uh, negative, actually, emotions. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. oftentimes, we see that within the sessions, these emotions or these reactions are also very short-lived. Mm. So it's always the case that uh, after the session has passed, that all the, 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 the badness of the situation, of the worst case scenario also passed. Mm. So that is also a learning moment mm. for, uh, for someone. Mm. Um, mm. Next to these uh, clinical studies, and following the patients in groups, but also now we are following, following patients individually in okay. single case studies. Okay. This is a very, um, yeah, uh, as you might know, Ed, we did some uh, large clinical trials in which yep. you have hundreds of patients going through treatments. Yep. And then uh, uh, usually what, what the patients know is that you have a treatment which uh, on the like generally works for most patients and mm. then the patient asks me well but what does that mean for me personally individually mm. Mm. will it work for me mm. and then i have to say as a researcher well we'll see who knows we'll see <laughs> but this is the best we can offer yeah. so now there's a, a very uh, exciting new th new uh, research uh, method in which you indeed uh, use one person one case, single case, to study what is happening within that person. Mm -hmm. You do that by um, um, actually assessing the person's experiences many, many times. Mm -hmm. And um, if you do these studies, uh, you can actually say something about what happens within a person at a certain time. And that is something I'm also very interested in. So not what is what are the general mechanisms which are probably true for most patients next to that you also want to know what if there is a person coming to you with particular uh, with a particular profile what is then best to do first or what is best to do at all for this person mm, 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 so mm. you'd want to be more surgical almost per person wow. so that's also something i try yeah. Of our group tries to to look into like how can we be more customized yeah. how can we yeah. uh, study these patients yeah. and their profiles and yeah. how they differ from each other which of course has an effect on how well they do in treatment yeah 
So that is something we like to explore a lot uh, currently. Wow. And then the third thing I'd like to do now is to look at, okay, what about healthy uh, individuals? Hmm. How do they experience sound? Hmm. And what if we increase the threat value of neutral sounds? Hmm. How does that affect healthy individuals? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you study healthy individuals and you see how they start reacting to high-threatening sounds, you can make the connection to tinnitus as well. Uh, you can say, okay, look, these mechanisms are there. We, every one of us, has these mechanisms. Yeah. So, yeah. and if these mechanisms are triggered, it could develop into these uh, very, um, very cumbersome conditions like tinnitus. Mm. Mm. And if you can find those in healthy individuals, we can also find other, uh, compen- uh, com- uh, other mechanisms which might compensate these reactions in healthy individuals mm. Mm. and later transfer those to patients. So that is more experimental research. We do those in the labs and we use, um, usually we ask uh, volunteers from the healthy populations to look at uh, sound perception and threat perception and how a person is influenced by uh, threatening sounds. So Uh, For example, what if you are doing a task, right? And we we present to you with uh, sound. What does happen to you? How are you influenced by it? And what if we present not only just sound, but what if we uh, present you with continuous threatening sound? How does that uh, uh, influence your performance? That way we try to, to figure out what is exactly happening? How is, why is the tinnitus so interruptive mm. and how interruptive is it actually in daily tasks? Mm. Right. So that is the experimental side of, of the studies we are currently uh, performing. So um, also very, uh, very interesting to see uh, these new ways of looking at um, sound. intrusive, yeah. yeah, sound yeah, of yeah. intrusive sound yeah. specifically. Yeah. It's not just a sound. No, it's it's actually yeah. if you think about it, because that's also what I'm interested in. It's the way yeah. we talk about tinnitus, because it's usually in terms of sound, right? However, if you really look at what patients are saying, it's almost it's almost not sound related anymore. It's about the intrusiveness, the feeling of helplessness, the yeah. feeling of desperation. Yeah. 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 That is not sound specific. Yeah. That is yeah. something. So um, I've al- I always start also, I try to uh, introduce into the tinnitus discussions oftentimes. Like, tinnitus is not only an acoustic or a perceptual experience. It's mm. coinciding is an mm. emotional, psychological mm. experience. It's mm. not just the sound which people mm. experience. Mm. It's the, the, the emotions which coincide with it. Yeah. as well yeah. so yeah. to to break open the first of all the impact and the stigma people p- possibly receive when uh, they uh, explore their emotional reactions as a, at a doctor's office so they 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 say oh, I'm, I'm so worried i'm so anxious and the doctor might say well that is not necessary because it's not it's not dangerous yeah. so in order to help that you have to provide uh, words to discuss yeah. these things, not only to the patients, but also yeah. to the healthcare professionals. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, tinnitus is not just a sound perception, yeah. obviously. Yeah. It's yeah. an emotional experience right. as well. Right. So that the doctor can actually ask about these emotional experiences yeah. so that the patient is, is enabled to talk about the whole experience and not yeah. just on the sound level right. because that is helping no one. Right, right. Right? That's amazing. And I think you can probably even extend that. What comes to my mind now is that there's been so many studies on, for example, um, air traffic throughout the night, uh, disrupting people's sleep and then leading Mm -hmm. to heart conditions, stroke problems and all of that. And I I imagine that that's also correlated with the perception of danger, right? Because our ears are functioning 24-7 in order to Mm -hmm. wake us up when we have the perception of a dangerous sound. I, unfortunately, am a very light sleeper and we have a very nice old wooden floor here in, in our Berlin apartment. And when the neighbor goes to bed, like we go to bed very early and the neighbor goes to bed like 2 a.m. in the morning. And when they shut the door downstairs, tuck, 
I'm awake. Yeah. And it's a similar, yeah. it's a similar thing to the tinnitus um, trigger that triggers these yeah. stress hormone reactions that mm -hmm. uh, will, will make you right awake in 20 seconds. In 20 yeah. seconds, I'm right awake. And I, I usually, I, I take some valerian pills or something like that, you know, to like in a half an hour later, I'm asleep again. But when that happens, the first thing is like, ah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, very recognizable. Yeah. The high alert, uh, yeah. high alert yeah. uh, phase or yeah. condition, right? Yeah. Or almost like sort of a, the experience of a false alarm constantly, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, which is happening, which yeah. is uh, influencing your system. Yeah. Wow. You don't have tinnitus yourself, don't, do you? You don't have tinnitus. No, yourself. I don't. Um, I don't. I tried to uh, detect whether I had one. So yeah. I actually went to an unechoic room okay. uh, in the physical department of the University of Leuven, where yeah. they built a room in space, right? Because with no echo at all. Wow. So a very, and they closed the doors, they killed the lights, and I was there for 20 minutes. And I tried really to listen to see whether I had something. Of course, I hear my breathing, so I have, uh, but I have no tinnitus. So. Wow. Then they have another room, and that is the extreme echoic room in which they build a room in which the echo is optimized. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, so what I if you it's a big room, but if you uh, stand in the corner with your face um, facing the wall and you whisper, someone on the other hand, other side of the room can hear it. Wow. So, and I experienced much more distress in that room yeah and that is recognizable for me i'm very um easily disrupted by sound mm. so meaning that i'm m m possibly a little more in the hyperacoustic uh realm than yeah. in the tinnitus realm but we have these uh, there are, of course, similarities since we know that yeah. many tinnitus patients also are increased sensitive yeah. to other sounds and um and the, the fact that I react strongly to sound or I can be very um, disrupted by sound is something maybe which also um, helped my interest in the whole issue of how people perceive sounds yeah. and how that can differ so much because I tend to um, so even as a child I can remember I was not someone who liked um, for example, birthday parties or, mm. or loud music or mm. carnivals. Mm. I really I can remember that my mother had to drag me to these things because they were socially, you know, demanded from you. Yeah. But I would not sleep the night before. And these wow. um, particular exposed to too much sound uh, memories uh, are still something which I now often realize are possibly because of my system as well and the way my brain processes sound. Oh, yeah. So, and that is uh, something which I can use as well when I research tinnitus and uh, drives the curiosity. So why am I this way? And why are other people uh, happy to sit hours in, in, in high blaring music in their cars yeah, with no problems? <laughs> Yeah, and if I you say yeah, this Queen's Day, I actually never went because of my issues <laughs> yeah. to a Dutch Queen's Day. So you see how you tend to, um, yeah, base your behavior a little bit as well on how you perceive things. In mm. this case, sound, mm. 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 but um, many other things, I guess, which we are uh, sensitive for. Um, sort of dictates how we act and what we like and don't like in life. Yeah. Huh? And yeah. Can you, if, if the people who listen out there, they won't have access to your methods and maybe not even my methods because they, I don't know, they don't reach out or something. Can you maybe give one or two tips for how maybe the person could, what, what the person can do now? Like, okay, maybe they could reach out. Maybe they could listen to podcasts. Maybe they could research online and, and, and look for things. But like a, a few tips for someone who's maybe listening to the podcast, but who's not uh, deciding to get any professional help with their tinnitus, but still maybe a, a hands-on tip. Yeah, for yeah. And a good experiment would be try and listen to your tinnitus a little bit. Yeah. Try not to mask it, right? Mask your tinnitus as little as possible because the thing you can't 
the thing, the sound you are not listening to, you can't get used to. You need some exposure mm. for your system mm. to um, get used to the, the signal, mm. uh, kind mm. of. Mm. So, and that is, isn't uh, too, that's usually what I say as a, as a sort of a question Mm. to people who ask me what can i do and then i say test it test what mm. happens with you if you try to be silent for a moment and try and go and listen focus your attention on the sound without um, uh, actually uh, trying to give it a grade or something huh? just listen to it and let it be as it is and practice that the good thing is you don't have to do much else yeah. You don't have to, to, to try to, to manipulate it. You don't have to observe it. You don't have to monitor it. You don't have to compare it. Just okay. allow the sound to be in your awareness hmm. um, and um, experience it as is. And hmm. try to do these hmm. things. Hmm. 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 Wow. Because that is uh, usually what people... Are not doing at all. I think it's also has to do with our society, right? We grab the phone every 20 seconds. We yeah. look at, check our emails. We like, I, 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 I actually like, I see myself, I do my sessions. I, I be, I'm on the phone and then in the evening I sit down and, and, and watch uh, uh, Netflix with my wife, you know, <laughs> yes. of, sometimes we have rare moments and then, and then an, an upsetting event uh, leads to a nice evening of conversations where we realize we should have done this ages ago, not yes. just sitting there and watching Netflix. And I, I appreciate these evenings so much. Um, and I also like, they, they are special because they don't happen every night, right? But mm -hmm. on the other hand, I, I, I guess everyone knows that like this constant exposure to things is also not good. On the other hand, I still know my tinnitus is so loud that I know that it's more difficult for me to calm down and be restful than it was 15 years ago when I didn't have tinnitus. Yeah. So, but it's not the, the the question is not or the instruction is not try yeah. to be calm. Yeah. The instruction is listen to it and and um, try to focus your attention on the tinnitus and not try try to because that's what you're saying. That's your sort of intuition is okay, but then I have to be calm. No, no, you probably will not be calm at all. So that is, that's very tricky because we are very well equipped to do this experiential avoidance. We do this internally. It's like, okay, I can listen to it because I hear it all the time anyway. But that's not what you're doing. With mm. your thoughts, you're doing other stuff. You're comparing it to things. You're trying mm. to be calm. You're trying to uh, sort of think about other stuff as well. It's very difficult to focus on your tinnitus and let it be as is. That's not calm at all. That's very active and very difficult. And also probably leads to increased arousal a little bit. Wow. That's really powerful. Yeah. It sort of makes me emotional as well. Very crazy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But emotional. that's... Okay. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think I have to do this more often. Yeah, very cool. Allow it to be disruptive for you a little bit, huh? Yeah. Because you, the what happens is the pressure you put on yourself to do better with the tinnitus and to, you have to be calm. You, you have to, uh, it's not a problem. And you see, um, I have to improve in, in, in perceiving this. This is contradictory in what I mean. So you don't, <laughs> because it is what it is. And what it is, it's very bothersome and very disruptive. So let it be. Mm. So that is the true exposure I need for you to be willing to face. Wow. Wow. Try That's it. Try amazing. it. Yeah. And we'll talk again. Okay? Yeah, I will. Definitely. It's, uh, okay. it's been very, very eye-opening. Um, I, I did not expect this to be um, emotional. So eye-opening. Um, I think the people who will listen to this is like, this is what I love doing, creating, I think, like the most valuable episode till now already. So I think people are really going to, to enjoy this here. Um, I certainly did enjoy it a ton. Um, I would like to thank you so much for, for your time. I know that you have a very busy schedule with these three jobs. Um, uh, thank you for 
helping me personally to uh, give me a new perspective on this and I will, I will uh, follow your advice. And um, I, I think that this will also help a lot of people listening on my podcast. And I think it can also uh, change the way in which I practice tinnitus coaching. I will definitely, definitely try and incorporate that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Take it into account. Yeah. Because true awareness or true allowing things doesn't mean allowing the positive sides, right? It's the negative comes with it automatically. So that is something which is very important. Yeah. It's very powerful as well. Right. Like sort of facing your fears. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to thank you a lot for your interest in uh, our work and um, in, in my ramblings as well. And uh, it was very pleasant to talk to you and uh, please uh, let me know how it goes. <laughs> okay, great. Um, all right. Then thank you very right. much. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's episode of the Outering Tinnitus podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it certainly for me was an eye-opener and uh, this podcast episode that we recorded a few years ago already and I have been remastering now um, is a big eye-opener for me using acceptance and commitment therapy and helping people uh, really completely change the way they experience and perceive tinnitus. So this has been an amazing podcast episode with Rilana Chima and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, again, I can only say, um, uh, please uh, like and subscribe to this podcast so other people can also get access to it. And together with you, um, uh, we can shift you from the uh, bothersome to the non-bothersome group with tinnitus. And that's what I think is my uh, task. So through creating all these resources, be it the podcast or be it my free guide to tinnitus or the 100 tinnitus hacks, um, all of which you can get uh, by clicking on the link in the description absolutely for free. Um, uh, I, I provide these resources because I sincerely believe in uh, helping everyone out there and helping people habituate to their tinnitus. It's my absolute passion and by now also my profession. Um, so if you need and want more, then click on any of the links in the description. You can find a free content there. You can also find access to our community as we've mentioned before. And uh, I'll be very grateful for you to uh, check those out. All right, I wish you all the best. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll hear you in the next one. Okay, goodbye. Thank you very much for listening to the Outring Tinnitus podcast. I'm looking forward to also welcome you on my website at outringtinnitus.com or if you have any questions, please mail to frida at See you next time.